they have like a food tour at this other place and he's like oh my gosh I had no idea we had all these things and I was like yeah you'd be surprised and I was like trust me you're not alone like right. I was in the same boat a few weeks ago and I went to all these amazing places upstate and I was like it's beautiful up here yeah and he was like yeah I guess I never thought of it like that and I was like okay this is your net this is your homework go home <laughs> and go to a local national park and just check it out spend the weekend there the final rose tonight. It's the final rose tonight. It's the final rose tonight. Can I steal him for a second? Can I steal him for a second? Can I steal him for a The Basic Bachelor Podcast with Emma and Kristen, where we recap all things basic and all things bachelor. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Kristen. And hi, guys, and welcome to the Basic Bachelor Podcast, where we chat all things basic and all things bachelor. It's Thursday, and you know what that means? It's basic chat episode day. I want to start by saying thank you so much for you guys for listening to this little segment, and I hope that you've enjoyed getting to know some of my favorite basic friends these past few weeks. Um, But more importantly, I'm so excited about my guest today, you guys. Have you ever seen those Instagram accounts or blogs where it looks like all they do is travel to those beautiful places and like eat delicious food and somehow look amazing while doing it? Well, today my guest does exactly that, and I'm so jealous. Ladies and gentlemen, Marissa Principe. Principe. There it is. Yeah, you got it. It's Italian. Trust me. I know, right? Only time people ever say my name correctly, my last name, is Mm. when I'm in Italy or Mm. when I'm in South America. How is it said correctly then? Principe. Principe. Okay. So the Italians, but they do it correctly on the first one. They know. Yeah, they gotcha. know. But in America, everyone's like, principal? Principal. You, you just missing an L? And I'm like, no. That's so dumb. It, it's said exactly how it's spelled. It's pretty easy. You know, it's... Uh, you would think. There, there should be but an Americans, accent that yeah. I think got lost somewhere oh, in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you're here because when I told Emma that I was that like who I was asking for this week and like what you're Mm -hmm. all about. She was like, Oh my God, I have so many questions. Please ask this, this, and this. And I was like, okay, calm down. Um, but let me give a little background to our listeners about who you are. So Marissa and I Mm -hmm. went to the same college, um, back in the day, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's nuts and scary. Um, but now, so we went to school for acting and musical theater Mm -hmm. and now you do this. So explain to me, and everyone, how you got from the good old Upper West Side of AMDA to uh, to doing what you do now. Yep. I get asked this question all the time. <laughs> and I always tell them, I don't really know. I just kind of stumbled along. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, if you were to trace it back. Um, so how I started traveling, actually, was I used to work for an entertainment company called RWS and Associates. Yep. Know it. Yep. And I did many a theme park contracts with them. <laughs> um, so they're an entertainment company that does cruise ships, theme parks, hotels, um, you know, lots of holiday stuff. So I worked with them and I would just travel up and down in America. Mm-hmm. And I would was mostly up and down the East Coast, but I would live in different places for like three to eight months at a time. And I loved it. I was like, this is great. I get a little break from New York, yeah. who I jokingly call my boyfriend. I'm like, <laughs> see you later. We need a break. I come back and I'm like, babe, I missed you so much. <laughs> It's all of the best kind of relationships. You got to give them a chance to miss it. I need my space. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, so then, um, then I moved to Germany mm-hmm. by some whirlwind. I was dating a boy who was in the military. So I went over to Germany to just, you know, I was in between contracts and I was like, I would love to live in another country. Right. Um, I actually wrote myself a bucket list when I was like 16 years old after my first um, trip to Europe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to live in Europe for a year. Yeah. I was a goal of mine right from 16 before I even knew, you know, what it costs yeah. or anything about money, <laughs> you know, like that was casual. Yeah. So um, when I was there, the one way I could stay there was um, to get a job working for the U.S. Army mm-hmm. on the on the Army base. OK, so I had was looking for a job and I found a teaching job. There was mm-hmm. a teaching position open for um, a preschool teacher. OK. And. When I was working with RWS, I had done a lot of like kid shows right. and you know, you're just always exposed to children. It's a theme park. Right. And I love working with kids. I thought I think kids are hilarious. <laughs> they just say whatever is on their mind. Yeah. They have no remorse. Yeah. No, they really don't. <laughs> but I was like, you guys are great. I love working with kids. So I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Like mm-hmm. I need a card to stay here and it just ended up working out and I actually fell in love with teaching. Yeah. So um, when I started working there, we had talked about, um, do you want to stay here for a long time? Is mm-hmm. it a short time? And I was like, oh, well, let's just see where it goes. Yeah. And they were like, well, if you're interested, you can get your CDA in early childhood development, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially your teaching degree for um, four years old and younger. Okay. And I was like, yeah, why not? If it's... If you're paying for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, sure. And I know I a lot of people who do that. A lot of Americans will go travel to other countries and, and teach, teach in these program programs. Mm-hmm. I cannot talk today. Um, <laughs> teaching these programs and get their teacher certification and then come back to the States eventually if they choose. But they get to like mm-hmm. go spend their 20s and 30s and however long they want to in these amazing countries. Yeah, absolutely. And there's tons of programs um, you can do it through. I have a friend... Um, who taught in Thailand, which is really common, Southeast mm-hmm. Asia. Yes, that's how I know. Like, the, the uh-huh. there was this guy that I was, like, seeing over in Asia, and that's what he was doing. Yeah. He'd been there multiple times to do that over in Asia. There's, it's so popular over mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, you know, if you're just getting out of college, you're not sure what you want to do, yeah. and traveling is something that's really calling to you, mm-hmm. go teach English. Like, yeah. 100%. There's other ways to do it. Um, you know, there's all different ways people will save for a few years and Mm -hmm. then just go for you know a two-year bender of just you know trying to go to every country Mm -hmm. they can well that's what i was always so confused about with the like i see all these all these like crazy instagram accounts of Mm -hmm. i'm here and i'm here and i'm here and i'm here and i'm like how are you doing this and i always assume that it's just like some rich spoiled child that's just using mommy and daddy's money but that's not true there are so many ways to do it Mm -hmm. on your own on a budget even, absolutely, you just kind of have to like make it work. Yeah. And so, you know, there's no wrong way to travel. No. <laughs> there are several <laughs> ways. And you know what? Some people do have mom and dad pay for everything. Right. Or, you know, they have a husband who does financially well. And right. they're, like, they're able to support right. them around the world, mm-hmm. which good for you. Right. You know, like, don't we all <laughs> wish we had that? Right. And I'm like, I, you know, we're only upset you. about it because we're jealous. Like, let's oh, be real. 100%. 100%. <laughs> That's no. Funny. Um, but honestly, 
for me, I get more satisfaction out of doing everything on my own. Right. You know, I've always had to do everything the hard way. Right. So why right. stop here? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I've always done is I'll I'll save money. Um, you know, three months, work really hard, mm-hmm. scrape my pennies together, <laughs> you know, and I'll, I would find just like odd end jobs, anything to make like an extra hundred dollars that would go to my travel fund. Right. Um, then when I originally started my blog, I started it while I was in Germany mm-hmm. and I had just started it for friends and family. You right. know, you constantly get messages like, Hey, I'm going to Germany or I'm going to visit another place in Europe. I saw you were there. Can you you know, what should I do? Right. Give me all your tips. And I was like, you know what? So many people had started asking. I was like, I'm just going to write it down. And whoever <laughs> wants to give them a link. I'm tired of typing this over and over again. Yeah, and I was like, whoever <laughs> wants to go check it out, you can. Um, but also, I jokingly call myself the world's biggest creep. Mm-hmm. Um, where <laughs> That's so funny because I don't think of you as that whatsoever. But. I know. And most people <laughs> me are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a creep. I, I go up to people and I'm like, hi. I saw you went on this trip. Like, yeah. how did you get there? Or, you know, um, I'm like, hey, that looks like a really good meal. Like, where mm-hmm. did you get that? And I have no shame. I'll ask anyone. Yeah. Um, so through that, I had started to find out like, oh, you should go visit this small town or you should go see this town. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of my bread and butter on my blog is, you know, lesser known places in Europe. Right. Um, and then for the bigger places, I do more like um, budget advice because you know most people are just my age you know 25 to 30 who want to travel more and one of the things i can say is i'm really grateful that i'm traveling now while i'm young yeah um i consider myself an adventure traveler you know not for the the faint of heart a lot of the things i do Um, is that what that like means is it like a term in travel life is like adventure traveler yeah so there are you're not staying in luxury hotel yeah so (laughs) all the time there's, you know, the luxury hotel side. Okay. Um, there are the people who are trying to visit every country. Mm. Um, they don't really have a name. I call them country counters. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But just because it's the best way to describe it. Right. And um, I'm more on the adventure travel spectrum. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even that's kind of a loose term because <laughs> I'm, again, more extreme. Right. So maybe you could even classify me as an extreme adventure traveler. Okay. Um, but... It's a loose term, right. you know, a lot of people, like I met someone a while ago who was, um, yeah, I'm an adventure traveler too. And I was like, oh, what's your, your next adventure? And they were like, oh, I'm doing yoga with goats. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> first of all, where can I find this? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> because that sounds amazing. That's hysterical. But you know, it's just such a broad term is what right. I'm saying is that it, it can mean anything. Right. And it means whatever you want as an individual, because that's what you are mm-hmm. when you travel it's what you make it what you want it to be what your trip can be absolutely and mm-hmm. so you know people always say to me you do all these crazy things you swim with sharks you mm-hmm. know whales you know you're climbing mountains and glaciers right and i'm like yes and i don't expect everyone to be able to do that you <laughs> yeah. know i understand like i'm a little out there yeah <laughs> um but i always say adventure is whatever it means to you mm-hmm. you know Adventure could be something as small as going to a new restaurant, something as, you know, um, finding adventure in your own backyard. I recently did a partnership with I Love New York, which is the New York State Tourism. And they sent me upstate to um, Chautauqua, which is like the 
kind of by like Lake Erie in okay. upstate New York and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is in my own backyard. I know. I always see those like New York, commer- like the state commercials on yes. TV make me laugh. Like come visit. What's the one that I, Asheville has been on TV a lot recently. Mm-hmm. So it's come down to like North Carolina and just like, yeah, they're like, and just get in touch with the woods. And I'm like, what? This is hysterical. But I think that's so great that states mm-hmm. are doing their own like tourism come travel to our state. Yeah, absolutely. So they've, you know, everyone tries to, every state has their own tourism board. Right. And that's their mission is to get people to, you know, want to come and visit. Right. And one of the ways they do that is by reaching out to writers um, and by reaching out to social influencers quote unquote right and um just trying to get the message out there like hey you should come and visit Mm -hmm. so what's funny is i just went to an event for phoenix um arizona okay and i had met so many people there and i met even so they have the state tourism and then they have um smaller towns so like Mm. big cities or regions um so i was in Mexico last week and I was on top of these ruins and I met this guy from Phoenix and I was like oh you know I'm just I just went to an event there I'm talking about maybe visiting there um next spring he was like yeah well where are you looking to go and I was like you know this place this place this place and he was like why are you going to some of those smaller places he was (laughs) like you know there's nothing there and I was like oh well actually um you know there was like a desert tour for Mm -hmm. a moonlit kayak um ride and then there was nightly creatures that come out like desert creatures mm-hmm. the desert is apparently a very wild place at night <laughs> and i was like yeah that's what i want to see yeah, like yeah. That, you're totally speaking my language uh-huh. and um i went to all these amazing places upstate and i was like it's beautiful up here yeah and he was like yeah i guess i never thought of it like that and i was like okay this is your ne- this is your homework go home <laughs> And go to a local national park and just check it out. Spend the week in there. I know. And he was like, I'm going to do that. That's what I love. I, I kind of researching more and more about the about the our own national parks mm-hmm. and how beautiful they are. First of all, because yeah. I mean, I'm from Pen- Pennsylvania, where it's a very beautiful landscape to begin with. So I'm used to those kind of things. But mm-hmm. I've been really trying to explore like the western part of the country and like Phoenix and, and all those different places and then Southwestern America, which I really want to get to next, which mm-hmm. leads me into, um, can you talk about some of your favorite places you've been? Yeah. So what's so funny is last year I realized I had only gone to cold places. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Like I went to Iceland, Norway, Alaska, mm-hmm. and I just kind of reflected back on the year and I was like, huh, I, that's funny how that happened. I've like been I cold wasn't planned. For 365 days. Yeah. And <laughs> what's funny is every anytime I go to Scandinavia countries, mm-hmm. you know, again, extreme travel, but I'm always like, oh, I almost lost my hands that trip. <laughs> every time. Every time. Never fails. Is it so, always cold there or do you just go there in the cold months? I just go there in the cold months. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> well, so I was in Norway in January, for example, oh God. Um, swimming with orca whales. Mm-hmm. And they only come during that time between mid-January and early February. They follow the herring migration. Right. So I'm swimming in the Arctic Ocean in the middle of January. Freezing cold. Oh, my gosh. But so worth it. Oh, 100%. Obviously. I do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> but um, I'm wearing this big dry suit and the gloves, they don't make gloves small enough for my hands. Mm. I'm a tiny person. <laughs> so the problem is the water kept getting into the gloves. Right. So oh my gosh, I can't trip, even imagine. On the trip back, the boat ride, you know, we're 
out there in the ocean on this little, um, this little, I forget what you call it, um, pergola boat. I think that's it. Don't quote me on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going back. It's freezing cold. And, you know, you have the Arctic wind whipping in your face. Right. And I'm, my hands are sitting in a pool of freezing cold water. So I was like, forget this. Threw them off. Huddled in the corner. Just, you know, wrapped them right, in my trying armpits. To, yeah, uh-huh. Trying to keep them warm. <laughs> And I was like, I'm going to lose them. I'm going to get frostbite. Oh I got a gosh. little frost nip, which is fine. I've had frost nip before. It's, you know, you just let them thaw out, put a lot of lotion, and you're good to go. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, but I was like, that was really bad, you know? <laughs> that was close. Like, that could have been really horrible. I could have lost a finger there. <laughs> but also, like, trade-off, you swim with orca whales. Yeah, so. and that had been a dream of mine for years and years. I bought this coffee table book mm-hmm. um, that was, like, you know, how to make the most of your life and like a thousand adventures. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly what it was called, yeah. but I had went through and I had flagged everything I wanted to do in that book and that was there. And I was like, I didn't even know you could swim with No, I had no idea. Whales. I would assume they would want to like protect them and be like, everybody get away. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, to an, uh, an extent they do, they're very right. good on conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Blackfish came out. Right. And I was like, oh, I got to do this. It has to happen. You know, I every time I watch that documentary, I cry again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, I have to see this for myself. You know, is is this true? Are these the claims they're making? Like, right. Are these animals actually that sensitive? And the truth is, yes, they're really sensitive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they have their own pods, their own families where it's like, you know, seven to eight whales. And one of the pods had a handicapped whale, mm-hmm. a whale who couldn't swim that well. He was born with a little deformity. I like to call him Nemo. Yeah, that's not obviously. His name. <laughs> no, that's his name. <laughs> so he couldn't swim as well. So instead of following the herring migration down the coast of Norway, they stayed in the local rivers. And um, they changed up their hunting methods and started hunting seals instead just so that they could um, support this one whale. And they didn't have to. They could have left him on his own, but they stayed with him. That's family. That's so cute. I'm going to cry. You guys, are you crying on this podcast? (laughs) Because I am a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And they're very sensitive. And so, you know, that's why I fight for conservation. That's why I fight for, you know, exploring in your own backyard because, um, it was best said when I went to the Galapagos, my tour guide best said, you know, why we let people come to these islands and share in the beauty of what Ecuador has to offer mm-hmm. is because we hope that you'll take this conservation of being so inspired. You'll take it home with you and you'll save, um, your local wildlife and mm-hmm. national parks. And I totally believe that. I'm like, yep, that's for me. Sign me up. Yeah, I love that. And that was a big thing when we were over in Southeast Asia. I spent about a mm-hmm. year over there in a few different countries. And and I think I read on your blog about, you know, making sure you're or maybe your Instagram responsible animal tourism yeah. is so important. And mm-hmm. that was that's a big thing over there, especially with like the elephant population and the tigers that they have there. There yeah. are so many things where, you know, everyone wants that picture of them on the elephant or with the tiger. And some of those places are not good. Yes, definitely. And honestly, my first trip to Thailand, mm-hmm. I made every mistake, yeah. pretty much. Um, and, you know, and that someone, happens like you don't you can't always know. And, and like 100 percent, you're new to this, too. And you, you think you're doing OK. And mm-hmm. you think people would be good and are protecting them and just doing right by them anyway. Yeah. And then you find out that that's not always true. Absolutely. And so my first trip was my very first trip um, other than Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone came over to me and was like, do you want to take a picture with a monkey? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. 
And, you know, then I had found out through different friends, you know, that's really not okay. Um, you know, a lot of times they're taking those monkeys from the, the wild mm-hmm. and, you know, once they're not cute and cuddly anymore, they're just disposed of, neglected. Right. Um, so it really, really is important. That was an important learning lesson mm-hmm. for myself. Um, I'm not the most aggressive when it comes to animal wel- welfare and conservation. There are right. definitely people who are more right. aggressive than I am. Mm-hmm. I kind of take a, a neutral stance right. where, you know, we're all coexisting in this world and the goal absolutely is I hope, you know, everyone would be vegan, vegetarian, right. and we would love animals. <laughs> but sometimes that's not for everyone. I am not a vegetarian myself. Right. Um, I do practice like mindful eating where mm-hmm. I don't eat a lot of red meat. Um, you know, I mostly kind of keep it to poultry. Right. And like three days a week, I'll have vegan days or vegetarian days um, just to balance it out. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I will... I've eaten a hamburger, I've eaten a steak, like, you know, it'll be just less once a month. And I think there's um, balance. And I think to say to live on one extreme is not necessarily for everyone. It's not necessarily, you know, I don't think the world is so black and white. I think there are shades of gray. Mm -hmm. Um, And earlier this year, I went to South Africa. Right. um, And I went to Kruger National Park. And some things are very highly debatable in terms of like hunting and, you know, staying at a lodge that is a game reserve where people can come on and hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I personally would rather just stay in the national park. You know, I don't mind staying in a safari tent or camping. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually prefer it. (laughs) Um, So for me, I kind of like to do my own things, which is very common. A lot of the times I'll just grab a car and I'll be like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but so at the same time, I also, as long as the um, hunting side of it and the game reserves are responsible, uh, a lot of times what people will do is after a lot of people just want trophies, mm-hmm. um, hunting trophies. So they just want to kill the lion, take a picture, get it stuffed and bring it home. Right. So a way to counterbalance that is the local villages will come in and they'll take all the meat. And so they'll either they'll. They'll either eat it themselves right. or they'll sell it on a market. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they that's their culture. They kind of grew up eating elephant steaks right. and right. tiger meat or I'm sorry, lion meat. Right. And, uh, you know, for us, we kind of look at that as like, oh, I would never eat an elephant, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that it doesn't have a, a place in someone else's culture. Mm-hmm. You know, with that being said there are endangered species like rhinos, you know, the white rhino is at this point considered extinct. Yeah. Um, And I feel very fortunate because through Instagram and one of the reasons why I absolutely do what I do and I love connecting with people on Instagram, um, I met someone who was also a conservationist and they had a friend who did tours at the camp I was staying at. Right. And so they had um, talked to their friend and reached out and they offered to give me a free night tour. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw two white rhinos, a mother and a baby. And it was the most precious thing I've ever seen. Um, And when you see something that massive and that aggressive and knowing like, yeah, I could probably charge this car and who knows, maybe tip it over um, and just run away like 
had no no interest in you, mm-hmm. um, which is what I find a lot with most animals. You know, they right. just want to be left alone. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was really Im- impressive, and I was so humbled by it. And then, you know, you kind of feel like, well, that's the last of them. Once that baby grows up and passes away, that's right. it. You'll never see another white rhino again. Right. They are working on um, trying to pull the genes mm. and uh, recreate them, clone them. Right. Um, then Gosh, it's like, I can't even imagine. Like, are we in Jurassic like, is, World? Yeah, where are, <laughs> is that really a white rhino? Like, are we really there? Yeah. I mean, hey, if whatever they can do, I guess, if, if the technology is there to try, why not? But Right. And so we'll one, debate whether or not that's really part of the species or if it's its new thing. Absolutely. And so one of the things they've tried to do um, to counteract illegal poaching and rhino hunting is um, by making it legal again. So they made it illegal. It got 10 times worse, the problem. Hmm. So in efforts to actually conserve the animal, they made it legal again and designated it rhino farms. But instead of killing the rhinos, they would just shave the horn. Hmm. So they tranquilize the rhino, shave the horn, sell the horns. And then in two years, the horn actually grows back. Okay. Which is another thing that doesn't make sense because... You know, why get one horn when you can get 10 horns? Right. And all you have to do is constantly keep cutting them off, shaving them. Which makes way more sense than just killing it once. But humans are dumb, so. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, a lot of people look at that and they say, well, you should just let the rhinos be how they are. You shouldn't touch them. Right. And I agree. 100% agree with that. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want a rhino horn. Yeah. Go about your day. Like, live your best rhino life. You know, that's. (laughs) I'm there, but at the same time, that's not everyone. And hopefully we can work towards that goal. But for right now, this is a demand. And this is something that um, people want and people are buying and they're willing to pay money for. Yeah. So how do we how do we have balance? How do we counteract for something that benefits everyone, including the animals? Mm-hmm. And right now, this is a temporary solution to this yeah. problem. And I'm like, if it works, it works. And maybe we can work towards that goal. But for right now, like this will have to do. And so that's what I mean when I say I'm kind of in the middle and neutral stance on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that just by having a conversation with someone, even at your own dinner table, even with a friend or on a podcast, you know, (laughs) if you can get someone to open their mind um, and just accept that, you know, there's not going to be a black and white answer right now as to where we are in this life and earth. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we work towards making something better? Right. You know, we always want to constantly look at something and say, yeah, this will do for now, but how do we make it better? And I think as a society, um, it's a part of growing evolution, which is what I learned the very basics of in the Galapagos. <laughs> yeah. And that's another reason why I encourage everyone to travel because I think you learn so much just by seeing another culture, by seeing the way, you know, even something as simple as the way wildlife is protected. You mm-hmm. think, oh, that's a really good idea. I should take that back to my country. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. That whole segment that you just like went on this like preach mode for, I was so, I was just like, wow, I know, this is I'm so, sorry. In, I no, saw, so inspiring. I, like, I saw a soapbox what and I took I it. What could I possibly say to like, to, to like, inc- like include myself in this call? Nope. Just going to sit here. Um, 
<laughs> no, that was so good. And I love that about travel. And you know, I've, t- mm-hmm. I've gotten to have a little bit of a taste of it and traveled to Southeast Asia now twice. And mm-hmm. never did I ever think I would be there. That's for sure. And it's so interesting to experience other cultures. And I wish, mm-hmm. I wish people, especially in America, I feel like our country is so into, well, this is from, my, this is where I'm from and this is where I'm staying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, first of all, our country is made up of so many different people and cultures. You could meet yeah. new people that are unlike you in your own town. Yes, that's true, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just cross a state line and see how people are different. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not for you. I have like family members all the time. Like, I don't understand how you live in New York city. You know, it's so different. I don't like it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I that's, that's fine. You can have that opinion. I understand, but you know, you should still experience it a little bit once in your, it's not, not specifically New York city, but something different. And I love that, you know, it takes on this whole new thing that you kind of went on that whole soapbox for. And that was so great. <laughs> and I loved it. Um, you said you you shared with me all these like inspiring stories, but I want to hear now um, a basic travel story. Like, have you ever done anything while you were traveling that like you would consider basic? Like, oh my god, I can't believe I just did this, or like, wow, I'm such a tourist. This is so dumb, but like you loved it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all have those moments. Right. I actually find I do more of that in New York City. Okay. Believe it or not. Yeah. So I just shot with a friend. Um, who's a portrait photographer mm-hmm. uh, recently. And he was like, where do you want to shoot? I was like, oh, let's go to Brooklyn, like nice. the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> and he was like, you're so basic. <laughs> but when you live in the city, like you need those shots, like that just like exude, uh-huh. I live in New York City. Well, it's not even that for me. I just love that park so much. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of my goals is I would love to inspire people to put more green everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do have that with Highline Park, but I'm like, you know, someone construct a building and have one wall just be all like plants. Like, yeah. you know, I think we can balance it and more rooftop spaces, you know. Yeah. I think every, I mean, every building in New York City could have its own rooftop mm-hmm. grass area. Yeah, it's just whether or not they're the people the people who own it are willing to put in the money to do that. I think, right? Even solar power, like we're wasting so much space in the city with the tops of the buildings. Yeah, and we could really utilize. And them. I could really use a rooftop garden on my on my building to yep. like just chill in. Like, let's be real. I know, and free electric that would be nice too. Oh, God, <laughs> don't get me started. Um, I love that. I'm yeah. trying to think of like what's a basic travel story for me. I mean. Besides just like constantly when, like when we were, I was in China for 10 weeks mm-hmm. and every once in a while we all, we just like had to go to McDonald's. Like there was just, we're, we're like, we can't explore fun, weird foods anymore. Like I just need, <laughs> although there was one week where we're at the very end the second to last week mm-hmm. and there was a subway near the hotel. And I think we were there every day because we were just like, I need a break from all this this Asian food. And then we were like, now we're home and we're like, I miss it. I want to go back. I hate yeah. everything in America. <laughs> Absolutely. So when I lived in Germany, finding Mexican food yep. was a nightmare. Oh, we found one in, where were we? Shanghai. And we had been there for five weeks at that point. We found a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, and people went ham. It was scary. Oh, I believe it. I used to drive three hours to go to Chipotle. <laughs> there was a Chipotle in Frankfurt. So I lived in the middle of nowhere right. in Bavaria. Right, on a base. Yes. And I actually lived off the base, oh, Okay, which is I'm so grateful for mm-hmm. um, because civilian life, whoop, whoop. Thankfully, <laughs> I wasn't 
I was an independent contractor. Okay. So I didn't have to live on the base. Nice. So I would say like, I'm so grateful because I, I really got that authentic experience. Mm -hmm. But with that authentic experience, lots of German food, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Right. It's a lot of meat and potatoes, mm. which I do like. Um, That's a lot. But there's only so many <laughs> bratwurst I can have before I'm like... I don't want this anymore. I need variety. I feel like if I lived in a place where like meat was so much part of... So much? Part of the, the food culture, I would like... I would partially turn vegetarian. Yeah. Because I just... Like when, when we were in Asia, like there was not a lot of vegetables that were offered. Mm -hmm. And we were all just craving... Can I, can I just get a salad? Yeah. <laughs> but, absolutely. But like everyone's cultures have been lasting for you know, thousands of millions of years on this same food diet. So I guess they just continue with it. Yeah. We're so lucky in America to have all the different cuisines and not just what's whatever is like national to their country. Absolutely. I think it's slowly starting to change. Mm -hmm. um, I Again, and I think because more people are traveling these days, especially our generation. Right. You know, I hate to use that term, but... <laughs> You know, we we want to travel while we're young. Right. And I couldn't do half the things I'm doing now, you know, after I retired. Right. Whenever that is, if I retire <laughs> yeah, at this right, point. Yeah, right, if we ever retire. <laughs> so, you know, what I'm seeing now more is you're going into bigger cities and there's a Mexican Japanese fusion. Yes. And you're the like, fusion's amazing. You're like, what? Or someone told me about <laughs> Cuban Chinese food and I was like, I need yep. to go try that. I was like, that sounds amazing. But so I recently had Mexican Japanese food mm -hmm. and it was so good. So good. Like I'm trying to imagine what that's what tastes like. Yeah. So it was you have your basic like um, sashimi platters mm -hmm. and it would come out with like or they would have like a spring roll with like chicken. OK. Like um, fajita chicken uh -huh. in the spring roll basically like a taco right um and that you would dip it in like a sriracha aioli and oh it my was gosh. so oh, i want good. all this yeah <laughs> it was like a wonton with you know right delicious spicy with, chicken yes yeah and a spicy aioli oh so good oh my gosh all right well speaking of that i need to go eat lunch now and go find this place but thank <laughs> you so much for coming on the podcast this was so fun thank you for having me i hope you guys really enjoyed uh hearing about all of marissa's travels and her adventures you can find more of her on where can we find you on instagram you can find me on instagram at city girl Riss, which is my blog name right okay so blog is www.citygirl and then my nickname is Riss, R-I-S-S. Okay, dot com. All right, guys, go check it out. And then, like, get out of your house and go explore. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Basic Bachelor Podcast with Emma and Kristen. See you next time. <laughs>